We're going to pray and then just jump right into the scriptures this morning. Father, we thank you, God, for uh, this opportunity to gather uh, and to glorify your name. Uh, it's a, it, this is a unique time where people who have trusted in Jesus Christ get to come together and experience uh, a unity that only you bring. Um, and so we're, we're so glad that we're known in such a way by you that we get to experience that. Um, and so, God, I pray through your word today that you would encourage our hearts, uh, that you would challenge us, that you would convict us, that you would give us hope. Um, and so, Lord, we just pray that uh, this would be a time that would be fruitful to our souls, God, that there would be a piercing of our souls that take place as your word goes forth. And so we pray all that in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Uh, I just want to tell you a story real quick. Um, and then we'll jump in. So there was a, there's a son, um, and he wanted to do something very special for his dad on Father's Day. Um, and so he wanted to get his dad a gift um, to just show him how much he loved him, how much he appreciated him, how much he valued his, like everything his dad had done for him. Uh, and so he, he went out to go find the most exotic and expensive gift that he could find. Uh, and, and what he found was uh, a talking parakeet that spoke five languages uh, and could sing the Star Spangled Banner while standing on one leg, right? And so, I mean, incredible bird, incredible gift. And so, you know, he, he gives it to his dad on, on Father's Day. He, he calls him the day after just to see how his dad likes the gift. And he says, Dad, hey, how did you like the gift that I got you? And he said, he said man, it was delicious. And so... That's the end of the story. I mean, <laughs> end of story. Now, <laughs> come back, come back. Y'all know it tastes like chicken. I mean, it's. <laughs> um, but the, the point of the story is in the same way that the dad obviously didn't know what to do with the gift that he was given, in, in the same way, God has given us a gift that we've misused, uh, we've abused, we've squandered, and, and many times we've lost, uh, and that's the gift of money. That's the gift of money. Now, don't, don't check out on me. Don't check out on me. Don't be afraid. The Bible says that, that the, all of the word of God is profitable, so we can talk about money, right? Can we talk about money? Okay. Now, now I'm not going to talk about money in terms of giving, right? Because I, I, I heard a wise man once say, it's difficult to talk to the people of God about giving before you teach them how to get out of debt. Because many of the people of God, they want to give. Like you, you've got hearts to give. You want to be able to do more. You want to be able to give more. But it, it's difficult to give when you've got to choose between the offering and a light bill. That's, that's tough to do. It's, it's tough when you, when, when you really want to give more, but you've got to get groceries to get through to the next pay period. And so, so today, we're going we're to talk about a, a four-little word that, that's, that's almost a cuss word to us in, in the culture and in the church, and that's debt. D-E-B-T. Debt. And what it looks like, what the Bible has to say about debt itself and getting out of debt. Y'all with me? All right, open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. 
Now bear with me, because I know here at Epiphany, we're used to the line-by-line teaching, um, but I had to go back to my Baptist roots a little bit in my preparation, and so we're doing a topical sermon this morning. Amen? Amen. I know some of my Baptist folk are like, bless God, hey! (laughs) I hear you, Doc. Amen. Proverbs 22.7. Y'all ready? Let's jump in. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is what? Servant. Some of your Bibles say servant, translated slave, is slave to the lender. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Now, I don't know if you've noticed in how the world operates today, but rich people rule the world. Uh, Rich people set the laws. Rich people run Wall Street. They establish banks. Everything that you do if you're not rich is dictated by people who have money. Right? And what happens is because you don't have money and they rule the world, you have to borrow money from them to live. Or at least that's what you've been told, that you have to borrow money to live. But what happens is the Bible says that if you have to borrow money and you become a borrower from the rich, the Bible says you become a what? A slave. So before we get started, let's talk a little bit about what a slave looked like back in those days, right? Um, So when it says slave, basically it means that when you're a slave, you don't get to live life the way you want to live life. You, you You lose the right to be independent. Right? You're, you're, you're mastered by somebody, so your life is dictated by somebody else. All right? So stay with me. So Old Testament. Can y'all turn me down just a little bit? Uh, under the influence of Roman law, a slave is usually considered to be owned by another person without any rights uh, and a, a personal form of property or a form of personal property. Right? And a slave can be used and dip- disposed of in whatever way the owner wishes. Right? So there's a number of ways that you can become a slave uh, in this culture. Back in, back in the, the, the biblical days, in, uh, the early era of, of life, there's multiple ways you can become a slave. So it, by capture, uh, so if you get captured, by purchase, if somebody buys you, by birth, if your parents are a slave and, you, and you're born because, again, you're personal property, so you just become another number, another worker. Um, as restitution, if you sell yourself voluntarily, uh, by abduction, and lastly, by default on debts. By default on debts, right? Now, let's, let's look at that for a second. So debtors who went bankrupt were often forced to sell their children as slaves. So you don't pay your debts. You have to sell your children to pay off your debts, right? If you, if you go bankrupt or you're in debt and you don't want to sell your children, then the creditor can come and confiscate your children, Basically, just take your kids if they want to, right, because you owe a debt, right? If you don't want to do that, another option is you can put your family, your wife, your children, and yourself under manual labor to pay the debt for three years. So basically, your life stops, you voluntarily make yourself a slave, and you work for three years to pay off the debt based on Hammurabi's code. Uh, in the law, in, in the Bible, they, he doubles it, which means you have to pay, you have to work for six years as a slave, you and your family, right? So the number one way 
that people became slaves back in that day was their inability to pay their debts. The number one way that people became a slave was their inability to pay their debts. The borrower is slave to the lender, right? That's why Matthew, 20, Matthew 6, 24 says what? You can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and, and, and money. You can't serve two masters, right? And so the, the issue isn't necessarily taken out a loan, right? So we're, we're gonna, we'll talk a little bit about like what the Bible has to say about loans, and we'll get to that. So the, the issue isn't necessarily taking out a loan, but the issue is what we've established as a cultural norm in terms of our dependency upon other people, right? So I'm going to give you a definition for debt. You can write it down. You don't have to write it down. Uh, you won't find it in Webster's because I changed it and made it up myself. Um, but the, the definition of debt is I just threw a spiritual temper tantrum because I couldn't get what I wanted now. I'll repeat it. I just threw a spiritual temper tantrum because I couldn't get what I wanted now. That's debt. Layman's terms. You couldn't afford to pay for it, so you had to borrow somebody else's money. When you get a credit card, why do you get a credit card? Because you want to purchase things that you couldn't afford to pay for by yourself. When you get school loans, we got a lot of school students here, right? Right? Am I right? So, so everybody knows what I'm talking Sally Mae. Let me, let me clue you into a little secret. Sally Mae is not your friend. <laughs> Sally Mae don't care about you. Sally Mae doesn't give you a phone call to ask you how your school year is going or what kind of grades you got. When you get a call from Sally Mae, it's because they want their money. <laughs> and get behind on Sally Mae. They will call your house eight times a day. They've done it to me. I know, firsthand. But what happens is, we go to school, and it's like, well, I can live off of loans, I can get myself in debt, and I really don't have to worry about it now, because by the time I graduate, I'm going to get the job that my degree says I should have, with the pay that they say I should get, and you don't account for an economy like this, where you get out of school and you can't even find a job at McDonald's, and now you're further and further and further in debt because you thought you could just leave and push it off until later. Let's be honest. That's what happens. And so the, the issue isn't merely getting loans. The issue is the mindset where we voluntarily enslaved ourselves to lives of dependency upon everybody and everything outside of our own resources. Psalms 24.1 says that the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, right? What happens when God gives you this gift of money and now it's misused and he can't use it for what he wanted you to use it for because you've hamstrung him with your debt and dependency? You can't serve two masters, 
So the very thing that God gives us to be able to utilize for, for furthering his kingdom, for kingdom work, he can't even touch because he's got to go through all your mess. And then even then, once you set a standard of destructive habits of enslaving yourselves, why would he want to trust you with it? You can't be a slave to two masters. I'm going to give a couple verses. And I'm not going to be long today because I want to get to the point. I'm not going to put no fluff around this. Let's get to the point and go home. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Romans 13, 8. Owe no one anything. Owe no one anything. Don't owe anybody anything. Ecclesiastes 5, 5. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Psalms 37, 21. The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. Now, all of these things are in direct contrast to what the world tells us about debt. Because you need debt. Debt is good for you. It raises your FICO score, right? Do you know when you don't have to care about your FICO score anymore? When you have money to pay for stuff. I mean, let's just, let's just be honest. We're having a living room conversation right now. You don't have to care about your FICO score, raising your FICO score, worrying about that good debt. You don't need debt when you have money to pay for stuff. Again, there's, there's a culture of dependency. You need us to live. And we fell for it. Because I can guarantee you, over 90% of this room has major debt. The world says you have to use credit cards. You got to. I mean, that's just a way of life, plastic. I mean, you even see the commercials. Y'all seen that commercial where everybody's in line, it's all happy, and the roses are going, they're playing the nice music, everybody's going up to the cash register, sliding their credit cards. What happens to the, to the person when he gets up there and he's paying with cash? The whole line stops, it makes it seem like the, it's the end of the world just happened. <laughs> You've got to use a credit card. Why? You get airline points. You don't even travel that much. You got, ho you got hotel rewards, and you can't, I mean, you can't even afford to, I mean, it's going to take you like 10 years to build up enough to go. What about this? You, you've got to buy a house. You're not stable unless you have a house. For, forget about the reality that you can barely pay your rent right now, but you've got to have a house. Because the dining room has to be big enough. So that way you can invite church members over. I mean, if you don't, you're only going to be able to fit like two people at your house at a time. How are you going to entertain like that? I mean, forget that they're not helping you pay your mortgage, but at least they'll come and eat your food. And then I heard Pastor Larry, then you put it on the credit card. Let's, let's not act like this don't happen. Let's not... It's, it's a cycle. It's a mindset. 
It's a mindset. You know, they say that, that, that most people uh, who are younger, they get married younger or even start their, their careers younger, they try to live like their parents do now, even though it took their parents 30 years to get there. You ever tried to do that? Got to have you got you got a better car than your parents, better house than your parents, better everything, and you but you're in debt. But you're in debt. <laughs> Amen, brother Rez. That's a whole nother sermon. That's getting an extended adolescence. What about the car payment? You got to have a car payment. Got to have a car because you got to have the nicest car. Got to have the nicest car. Do you know how much, do you know how much the, the average car payment is $483 a month? $483 a month. Let's, let's, let's just go with $4,000. let us take it down to $4,000. I mean $400 a month. I think that's still pretty high. Do you know how much that is over the course of a year? $4,800. Almost $5,000. Right? Now, that's not even including your insurance for the year. It's, that's not including your insurance. It's not including the, tax, the, the, the registration and the taxes and tags and all that type of stuff. So you're, you're close to $6,000 for the year for a new car. And that's every year. Do you know how much money you could save over that time? If you would have just maybe saved a little bit of money and got a, a reliable car that maybe wasn't brand new. But you know what? Let's be, we, we want people to see our ride. We want people to see our ride. You know the reason we really get into debt? Because we want other people to see what we have. That's, that's why we get into debt. If you didn't care what nobody thought, would you really go buy that car? Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind. See, what we're dealing with here is a mentality and a mindset where we've, we've gotten to the habit of living dependent lives, right? Now, some of y'all might feel like debt is, like you're looking at your debt and you're thinking about this and you're like, Pastor Kurt, I hear you and I, I, I want to get out of debt, but I can't. I have too much debt. I have too much. Some of y'all I know feel like debt is a child that never gets old and you'll be taken care of the rest of your life. There's a hopelessness when you think about your debt, right? But the good thing is that, that the Bible gives us some very practical principles that we can utilize to teach us what to do to get out of debt. If you find yourself in debt, do this, is what the Bible says, right? So, so turn over to Proverbs chapter 6. 
Proverbs chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Now, the first two verses are basically setting the, setting the picture of a man who's in debt uh, or a neighbor or a friend of yours who's in debt. He can't pay his bills, and so you co-sign for him and take over his bills. But now you are in debt because you can't pay the bills that he couldn't pay, right? But either way, the, 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 the practice of what do you do to get out of debt is applicable to all debt, right? So if you find yourself in debt, Proverbs 6, verse 3, if you find yourself in debt, verse 3, then do this. Save yourself, for you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go and hasten and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep. Give your eyelids no slumber, which means go and do something immediately. Don't wait until tomorrow to get out of debt. Do something now. Don't give your eyes any sleep. Verse 5, save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of a hunter. And Now, if, if y'all know me, y'all know I love the animal planet. Love it. There's just something manly about a big animal killing a little animal. I mean, I just, I know it's weird, but I get so much joy out of that. I mean, there's this, this just something that just rises up in my chest. It's like, get him, you know? But, but if you watch the animal plant, you know, the gazelles, they, they stay close together in their little, their little herds. And the primary hunter of a gazelle is a cheetah, fastest land animal, right? Now, what happens? A, a gazelle, they usually got their heads down, they grazing and all that stuff. And, and as soon as they hear something, what do they do? All their heads come up. They get real quiet. They start looking around, trying to see what's going on. And mind you, they can't see the cheetah because cheetah's low to the ground. And they got that smooth walk where they just, their shoulders is going all like this and stuff. You know what I'm saying? And then, boom, cheetah's off. And, and, and the gazelle is running. Cheetah's chasing him. Gazelle is running. And the Bible says, save yourself. Did you know that the, the, the percentages are very low when the cheetah actually catches the gazelle? The per, I think it's one out of 19 the cheetah catches the gazelle, even though the gazelle is faster. I mean, the cheetah's faster. That's why it says, when you find yourself in debt, you've got to run. You've got to get away from it. You've got to get out of there. You've got to save yourself. That, like, that's what it's talking about. There's, there's, there's an urgency to getting out of debt. Don't give your eyes any sleep. Run from it like a hunter, like a, somebody's chasing you. Do you know how easy the trap is to get into debt? Hey, come here, sign up, and we'll give you a free T-shirt. Here's a credit card. Hey, we'll give you this cool little duffel bag. We're not going to tell you it's going to break in two days, but here, come sign up. We'll give you this free thing so you can take a credit card. It's so easy to get ensnared. It's too easy to voluntarily enslave yourself. The Bible says you got to run. You got to hit it, right? All right, let's go some practical instruction real quick. So what do, you, what do you do? You run. You get out of there. You try to get away from the debt as soon as possible, right? This is what you do. There's a debt snowball, something, this, something called a debt snowball. Some of you guys may have heard of this, right? So what you do is you take all of your debts and you list them from smallest to greatest, right? Take all of your debt, you list them from smallest to greatest. And you pay the minimum payment on all your debt that you should be already paying anyway, and you attack the smallest one first. I mean, you just attack it. You throw money at it. And you may not pay it off in a few pay periods. It may take you a few months. But imagine what your soul will feel like when you see you, you cross that first debt off the list. And then you take the money that you were paying towards that little debt and you add it to the next one. 
And so now you're not just paying the minimum payment for the second one. You're paying the minimum payment plus what you were paying towards the first one. And you just attack it and attack it and attack it. And then do you know what your soul will feel like when you see that second line come off? And now you're starting to get excited like, man, I can do this. Like it's working. This is happening. And then you go to that third one. And now you take what you were paying on the first one and the second one and you go to the third one and start applying it. And you just hammer that thing away. You know, me and my wife a couple days ago, well, actually a week ago, a week or so ago, we did that. We, we, we listed all of our debts, and because um, we're, we're, we're getting into this process of getting out of debt, getting our finances in order, and all that stuff. So we listed all our debt, and I know some of y'all are going to, you're going to do that, and you're going to get to the bottom, and you're going to see that number at the bottom. The, you're going to see that big number at the bottom that shows how much you owe everything. And you're going to think it's impossible, right? And, and so we did that. And I'm looking at that number, and I'm like, oh, God, I, I did not expect it to be that much. But you know what? I, I went beyond just listing it, and I calculated if we did that, just minimally. How long would it take us to pay off all of our debts? School loans, credit cards, mortgage, everything. Ten years to be debt-free. Ten years. I'll be 38 years old. I'll be under 40 and have absolutely no bills, no debt. Can you imagine what life would be like if you didn't have a mortgage or a car payment or school loans or credit card debt? Could you imagine what kind of kingdom stuff God could do with you? I mean, that's just, that, like, if that doesn't get you excited to be like, man, I'm going home to get out of debt today. Like that, that, listen, that should excite you. But you, you know what? You know what's funny? You know what's funny? If you go back to Proverbs 22, chapter 22, we read verse 7, right, which says the borrower is slave to the lender. What does verse 6 say? Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it, right? That's what it says, right? Now, look at this. Ten years, we're, I'm totally debt-free, Right? My daughter, my oldest daughter, is 14 at the time, just starting high school. I calculated, if I'm debt-free at that time, and I save the money I was paying on debts for her schooling, by the time she's done high school, I can pay off all of her school tuition for four years, and she can graduate with no debt. But, but, but again, it's bigger than just my life. What, what are we doing now? We're establishing a cultural norm and a trend. Imagine what my, wife, what my daughter's life looks like if for the 10 years she sees mommy and daddy attacking debt, getting rid of debt, paying out of debt, and then we have enough money to pay for her school and she's out of debt. Do you think she's going to touch a credit card or go any near debt, anywhere near this debt? No, because you've trained her. So when we think about debt, we're thinking about legacy. We're thinking about kingdom legacy when, when we think about this stuff. It's, it's got to go, go beyond us. We've got to think bigger than just us, right? Five, five points of practical instruction. Five points, real quick. One, you've got to save money. You've got to save money. Now, I know you're thinking, Pastor Kerr, I don't even have money to make it to the next pay period. I can't save right now, Right? I saw a cute little thing on Facebook. Some of y'all probably saw that it was going around that little yearly savings plan. For week one, you save a dollar. Week two, you save two dollars. Week three, you save three dollars, right? Y'all spend more than that going to the corner store or going out to eat. 
you can spare a dollar. So every week, whatever number week that is of the year, that's how much money you put in the bank. By the end of the year, you got $1,078 in the bank. Very easy, very simple. But you know what it does? It gets you on the process of learning how to save without saving big amounts. But you've, you've got to save because you can't just try to get out of debt without saving because you know what happens? If you're trying to get out of debt and you don't save any money, the, the, the first time an emergency comes up, what are you doing? You're running back to the debt. What happens if you're saving money but you're not getting out of debt? You're still in debt. You've got to do both. Point one, save money. You've got to save money. Two, quit borrowing more money. I can't tell you how many stories I hear about people just living off of loans. You, you've got you've you've to make a choice today to say, I'm not going to borrow any more money. I'm not going to enslave myself any further. You've got to make that choice because life will hit you with something. I guarantee it. Life is going to hit you with something. And if you don't make that choice today, you will run right back to debt as the answer. You will run back to debt as the dependency. It will happen. So you've got to make a choice. You've got to make a choice that you won't get any more debt. But, but that plays into this next one. Point number three, prayer really works. Prayer really works. See, the, the issue is we don't trust God to provide. See, it goes, it goes back to the Egyptians. They're walking in the wilderness. God has given them manna. They get tired of what God's providing for them. They get tired of the manna. So what do they say? Man, I'd rather be a slave in Egypt. At least we had banging salads. That's what they said. It's, 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 it's a providence issue. Do you believe God will provide? Some of us don't have big enough prayer lives. We, we don't pray believing God will do anything. That's why Psalms 5 says, Psalms 5 says, God, I offer a sacrifice to you and I lift my voice to you and I wait. That word wait means there's an expectation that God is going to answer. Does your life look like that? So when life hits you with something, are you going to run back to that? Are you going to cry out to God and say, I believe God's going to provide? If you believe Psalm 24, 1, which says the earth is his, then you, you got to believe he has the resources to do something about your problem. The question is, do you believe he will? Prayer really works. Four, sell something. Sell something. You have something in your possession if you really want to get out of debt that you can get rid of. You know what? It might not be a lot, but you know what it does? It gets you on the path to getting out of debt. Sell something. Use it to start getting yourself out of debt. And then the last one. This might hurt a little bit. You either need to get a part-time job, work some overtime, or just plain on get a job. Some of us are in debt because we refuse to work and refuse to work hard. <laughs> if you got a part-time job and you're in debt, you need to get a full-time job. If you're not working and you're in debt, you need to get a job. 
If the job that you have isn't enough, you need to find other streams of income outside of your job. That's just the reality of it. You, sometimes there needs to be a season of your life where you just say, I'm going to take care of this no matter what it takes. See, we don't believe in that. We don't believe in their seasons where I might have to work a little bit more during this season. That's why I like Dave Ramsey because he says, sometimes you have to live like no one now so you can live like no one later. Because when you, if you take the necessary steps to get out of debt now and do the hard work of getting out of debt, when, when, when you're out of debt, you can, you can do what you want to do. Because you don't owe anybody anything. You're not a slave to any other master but Christ. And you got money to do stuff with. It's going to be hard. And it's going to take a while. There's no such thing as a, a, a quick get out of debt like solution thing. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. That's why Galatians 6.9 says, let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap, if what? If we do not give up. It's going to take some time. But listen, if you don't give up, you'll reap the benefit of the reward. You will. You will. Lastly, lastly, some of y'all might not agree with this. I really don't care. Um, I believe the Bible teaches it. If you have debt, pay all of your debt. Some of us like to get into the habit of having debt and then collections are calling and they offer you that like 70% discount and you're getting all excited like, man, I just got over on this thing, right? Pay all of your debt, every last penny. And it's not about your FICO score. Paying all the debt does help your FICO score a little bit, but we're not talk we don't care about the FICO score, right? If, if we're being honest, the reason I'm telling you to pay all your debt is because Jesus did that. When, when Jesus died on the cross, he wiped out all of your debt. And if you didn't know that, if you don't know Jesus, you have a debt right now. And God is the collections agency. And I know how we like to do. We can ignore it for a while by checking the, the voicemail or, or checking the, the caller ID and we don't answer the phone. But I, I, the Bible says that sooner or later he's going to come to collect the debt. And you can act like you're not home, but it says that the mountains will vanish in front of him. Earth and heaven will flee in his sight. So if you don't know Jesus, you've got a debt, and he's coming to collect it. If you know Jesus, then he paid your debt in full. That's why the Bible says when he was on the cross, he used the words, it is finished, to telestai, which is what? It was used on tax receipts to say that this account has been settled in full. And so if you know Jesus... You get to stand before God, and he gets to look at your receipt that's been stamped on your heart that says, this account has been settled in full. Pay all your debts. The Bible demands that we pay our debts. 
simply for no other reason, because Jesus made us debt-free so we could live debt-free. There are practical implications to this. So it's, it's not just, yeah, we talked about, it's a little bit theology behind this. There's some practice behind this. But if you're supposed to be Christ-like in the application of your lives, one of those has to do with money and how you utilize it. Again, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for this opportunity to, to come and learn today, God. And I pray that your people were encouraged by this word today, God, that there would be an excitement about talking about and looking at things that scare us sometimes. Um, and so, God, I pray that you would encourage somebody's soul in here today, God. I pray that if there are those here that don't know you, God, that you would settle their accounts and their hearts, God, that you would allow them to experience the forgiveness of their sins um, and that Jesus would, would stamp a receipt that says, it is finished, to tell us die. And so, God, we thank you um, for your word. We thank you for the practicality of your word, that we can look in your word when we have questions, when we don't know what to do, and we can actually find answers. And so, God, I pray that you would continue to encourage us with your word as we go throughout this week. Bless your people, um, that they might be uh, spurred on to loving good works, God, and that their lives uh, might give a clear picture of the redemptive nature of what you've done on the cross. Uh, so we pray that in Christ's name. Amen.